Come on, Steve, just give me your half of the Raiders of the Lost Ark review. Come back tomorrow. Why? Because I said so, that's why. Fine. But don't blame me if evil Nazis come looking for your half of the podcast, buddy. <laughs> evil Nazis. Yeah, right. Good evening. The bar is closed. We are... We are... Not thirsty. What do you want? The same thing your friend wanted. Surely he told you there would be other interested parties. Must have slipped his mind. The man is nefarious. I hope for your sake he has not yet acquired it. Why? Are you willing to offer more? Almost certainly. Do you still have it? No. But I know where it is. How about a drink for you and your men? Your fire is dying here. Why don't you tell me where the piece is right now? Listen, Herr Mac. I don't know who you're used to dealing with. But no one tells me what to do in my place. Let me show you what I am used to. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Hello everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, it's good, right, Steve? I guess. Some people seem to like it. Stop it with this coy bullshit. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's, it has a very good <laughs> reputation. It's one of the I most am no beloved. longer pretending like we don't know the <laughs> reputation of fucking movies. It makes us look like idiots. People turn off the podcast when they go, they don't know that Raiders of the Lost Ark is a classic fucking movie? Yeah, we don't know. We just picked <laughs> we, it at random. We, we open the movie. We open it we're like, nah, I guess, I don't know. Some people have heard of this one, maybe. Yeah, we just... Now we, let's listen to our review of it. We just had IMDB throw up a random title. That's how we choose movies for this show. Like, I'm supposed to believe that Nazis were a real thing. The villains were a little over the top. <laughs> That's right, we're, we're reviewing Indiana Jones. So many people <laughs> left comments like, finally! <laughs> I guess people wanted us to do this for a long time, so it's, we're finally yeah. fucking doing it, okay? God damn it! Yeah. Leave me alone! It's a, it's a somewhat popular franchise, I've, I have I've been, been holding told. back on all this Steven Spielberg stuff because we do them too much! <laughs> Ah, yep, the Raiders, of the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's not the title. It's just Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> it's not the Raiders, nor is it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of no. the Lost Ark. It's just Raiders of the yeah, Lost Ark. Yeah, that's a phony marketing title that they added to it later because they thought people were too much of a dipshit to get that it was an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> It doesn't have Indiana Jones in the title. How are they going to know? It's not canon. <laughs> it doesn't say Indiana Jones and. <laughs> How do I know this guy is Indiana Jones? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm? Maybe it's his distinctive costume. Uh, nah, anyone could be wearing that. It's a very common set of clothes. Can we please get on to yes. the trivia? Thank oh, you. Oh, yes. Trivia, sure. Trivia. That's right. My Go my part it. of the show. That's right. Da, 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 da. It's the part where Steve makes an effort. <laughs> um, okay, so 
So I did find some trivia for this one, some really interesting bits that I actually didn't know before I, I looked into it. Um, this Can we this, call this Steve's Interesting Bits? Can we officially name this Steve's, Steve's Interesting Bits? I would love for, for us to name Let's it Let's all Steve. take a look at Steve's Interesting Bits. Oh, I like the sound of that. So after Star Wars came out in 77... Uh, George Lucas took a vacation, and he was on vacation in Hawaii with Steven Spielberg. And it was on this vacation that they first discussed Raiders of the Lost Ark, because they, yeah. were, they were talking about what they wanted to do next, and Spielberg was like, oh, I always kind of wanted to make like a James Bond movie or something like that. And George Lucas said, I have an even better idea. I had this concept for a movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark that would be like an old 1940s adventure movie. Way too much energy. And well, I have I, another idea. I, <laughs> I want to make another thing from my childhood. <laughs> I wrote it down in my notebook. My original script was 400 pages long. <laughs> but I think we could just do the first third of it. Um, right. Yeah, so that, and anyway, and, and so according to legend, uh, they came up with the idea and, and they sort of decided that they were going to team up and do Raiders of the Lost Ark while they were in Hawaii building a right. sandcastle together. Yeah. So, Aww. Um, okay, so that. Like children. Like children. <laughs> uh, the, the authors of our modern popular culture, my friends. <laughs> um, so there's, a, and then, uh, of course, in, in the movie, that as, as we'll get to when we go through the plot, there's a, there's a cute little monkey in the movie for a while, and, and there's a scene in the movie movie where the monkey does kind of a Hitler salute. Yes. And the crew had a hell of a time getting the monkey to make that Hitler salute. And yeah. they wasted just dozens of takes trying to get the monkey to do the Sig Heil salute. And after many frustrating failures, they finally just brought in a more anti-Semitic monkey. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, wait, 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 I'm kidding. They didn't. No, they didn't. They What they did was they, they dangled a grape just beyond the frame and the monkey would reach for the grape. And that was what made oh. the monkey look like he was doing the Sig Heil. So it, he was not a Nazi monkey. He was an innocent monkey. He was not the Nazi monkey. <laughs> who was induced to do the Hitler salute. Um, Dear Steven Spielberg, it looks like your Jewishness has come to the fore once again. Yes, this is me, the old Nazi yes. youth from Florida. Yes. The same I guy. See you could not get a real Nazi monkey for your movie. Why did you not employ a Nazi monkey? <laughs> Nazi monkeys would not have that haircut. Have, have not our monkeys suffered enough under the I'm global Zionist pulling, regime? Pulling from a review from last year yeah. for that fucking joke. <laughs> That's why people listen. Um, and and, <laughs> and one, last, one last bit of trivia. Uh, Harrison Ford did most of his own stunts in the movie. Mm -hmm. And yes, he did hurt himself. A lot. Uh, he, he was, and, and pr one particular instant incident, he was... Uh, run over by the plane that was going around in circles during his big fight scene with that giant German guy. Uh, Thankfully, the, it was a prop plane. Yeah, yeah, he was. Well, yeah, but he, he still hurt, he hurt his knee and had to have his knee mm -hmm. wrapped for for a while, and that was part of his proud tradition of really hurting himself while making his films. Yeah, he so. also got dysentery. Yeah, because they they were at, they were shooting a lot. It was in Tunisia, I think. It was the it same was place where they shot Star Wars, and yeah, he. So uh, yeah, yeah, what uh, Steven Spielberg did was he shipped over a ton of canned food and bottled water, and he would only eat that canned food and bottled water. I think it was like soup or something. I can't remember what it was. He only ate that. Didn't eat at the local restaurants. Didn't do anything because he did not want dysentery. I guess Harrison Ford was like, "Yeah, that looks good," and picks it up off the ground. This is delicious. <laughs> Come on, local food. Hey. 
We're making a movie. If you're not going to enjoy the local culture, what's the point of coming over here? All right. Can I say who made it now? Yes, do it. Okay, so here's the people who made it. I don't even know why I'm bothering. <laughs> these, these obscure independent filmmakers. No more jokes like that. People get confused. <laughs> <laughs> they think we're idiots. Stop. Sorry. I'm like, why do I listen to this? They know nothing. <laughs> I don't perceive humor. <laughs> sarcasm what's that irony i don't get it <laughs> i know i'm i don't mean to take away your sarcasm and irony it's all i have yeah your your personality would <laughs> fall apart like so much brittle bread if, if i took those two things away don't take away my only tools yeah <laughs> all right it was directed by steven spielberg do i have to <laughs> what what number of movie is this now by him that we've reviewed five four or five i think at least yeah, yeah. he he yeah. made a couple of popular movies you know he made some movies you know who he is don't make me say it Produced by Frank Marshall, and Frank Marshall has produced uh, a lot of them, including the Last Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom. Right? He's been yeah. he's been around. He's produced a lot. He's produced a lot of the movies that you guys love. You don't know his name, and he knows it. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> Um, screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan. Now, we've mentioned Lawrence once on Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also when we did the special review of The Force Awakens. Um, Lawrence is predominantly a screenwriter, but he's also directed some awful movies that no one likes. Or at least, I don't. I didn't like them. I don't know about you, Steve. But, uh, he wrote Empire Strikes Back, and most recently he was one of the people that contributed to that blockbuster hit, Solo. Oh boy. The prequel no one wanted. Thanks for trying, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make it thrilling when you know for a fact that the two main characters that we like, nothing can happen. Nothing can happen to them. Nothing can happen. I, I hope Chewie's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Now, you guys may know Philip Kaufman because he made one of our favorite movies of all time, right, Steve? Yes, he did. He wrote and directed The Right Stuff. That's right. The Right Stuff. Starring. Do I really... Do I have? Oh God! All right, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Hey, Steve. Yeah. There's some people that they were looking into to maybe play Indiana Jones instead of Harrison Ford because George Lucas is like, I don't want to cast Harrison Ford because he'll become like my Bobby De Niro. He'll become Bobby De Niro to my Martin Scorsese, and I'm like, he'll never be a Martin Scorsese, yeah. George Lucas. He'll <laughs> never be him. I don't want to form emotional attachments to actors. I don't like emotional attachments. Period. They're just props. <laughs> my my um, my George Lucas sounds more and more like Lorne Michaels every time I do it. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so can you do you know, know who else uh, they thought about? I only the only one I've ever heard is Tom Selleck. That's the famous. Yeah, one. but I know there's a bunch of them. Tim Matheson. There's not a ton. Tim Matheson, mm -hmm. Peter Coyote. Wow. Okay. John Shay. Wow. And then Tom Selleck. And if you guys don't know, the big thing about Tom Selleck was they really liked about Tom Selleck. Yeah. And I could totally see Tom Selleck playing this part. Me too. There was one teeny tiny problem. Tom Selleck, all of a sudden, had a hit TV show called Magnum P.I. And Magnum P.I. said, nope. And he went, no. Nah. <laughs> and then he never got to play Indiana Jones. But Yeah. <sighs> they wouldn't let him out of a shooting shooting schedule. Yeah, you, you can't have him. him. Yeah, Paul Freeman as Doctor Rain Belloc. 
Paul Freeman is uh, one of is considered one of the greatest br- greatest British actors, and he's done tons of British stage, British TV. He's been all over. The, you you guys know him, but younger viewers may know him better in his Magnum performance as Ivan Ooze in Power Rangers the movie. Oh. <laughs> Now, now we're talking about a cinematic giant. What many critics noted was the only good thing in Power Rangers the movie. Yeah. Well, they probably figured that out once they saw the the, the casting notice. They were like, mm-hmm. they oh. went, "Wait, Paul Freeman?" Oh, uh, well, at least that's a couple scenes that won't be terrible. <laughs> Do you know who they originally wanted and asked? Uh, no, who? Giancarlo Giannini. Really? The uh, famous Italian, yeah, Italian uh, actor. Huh. But he said no. Karen Allen is Marion Ravenwood, and you know her from Manhattan and Starman. Starman, yeah. And they offered it to one other actress. Do you know who that was? I don't know who that was. Deborah Winger. Oh, okay. I can kind of see that. But she turned it down. Yeah. John Rice Davies is Sala, and you remember him from. Well, Lord of the Rings, basically. He was Gimli you know, he was Gimli in Lord of the Rings. But do you know who they originally offered that part to? Who? Danny DeVito. Oh, you know what? I think I've heard this. Yeah. I can't picture him in this. No, me neither. <laughs> Danny DeVito playing an Egyptian? Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't... Why not? It works. <laughs> Why not? Can you picture Danny DeVito warning him about the Ark? I can, totally. <laughs> Ronald Lacey as Major Arnold Tote. Um, you will know him from literally tons of movies, but you may not realize it's the same actor because he radically changes his appearance movie to movie. So most people only know, know him as Major Tote. Um, but, I mean, he was the president in Buckaroo Banzai. I mean, he's been yeah. in tons of movies. Um, guess who they originally wanted, who George Lucas wanted to cast um, in the part? Who? Roman Polanski. Oh, that wouldn't have worked out. He wanted Roman Polanski uh. to play a, play a Nazi. Well, <laughs> and overlook his statutory rape thing. <laughs> well, hey, that's what everybody was doing back then. That's true enough, but they did offer it to one other person. Oh, who was that? Klaus Kinski. Oh, man, that, oh, what might have been. You know what he said about the script? What did he say? He said, quote, it's moronically shitty. Oh, that's that sounds like Klaus. <laughs> that's Klaus Kinski for you. That's our Klaus. One of these days, we're going to review Fitzcarraldo, oh. and then we'll be able to get all of our Klaus Kinski stories out. Oh, and there are so many. Uh, you know, we can kill this guy for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Klaus, you were too good slash terrible for this world. Yes, <laughs> he is. Denholm Elliott is Dr. Marcus Brody. You will know him. He's a great character actor, and uh, I, I think his last movie was like Noises Off or something. But, I mean, he was a character actor. He appeared in a lot of stuff. He was on a lot of British TV. He was on a lot of stage work. Yeah, he was in Trading Places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wolf Collar as Colonel Dietrich. <laughs> now, you may recognize him as un named Nazi in Wonder Woman, but he also had, uh, he was like the surrendering German colonel in the last episode of uh, Band of Brothers, I think. Um, he's a German actor, and he usually plays Nazis, unfortunately. <laughs> Alfred Molina in his film debut. Yeah, look at little baby Alfred Molina. Little British baby Alfred Molina in brown face, uh, playing yeah. Sadapo, the guy who betrays Indiana Jones at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> you know him from stuff. He's been in so much stuff. He's been in so much stuff. 
George Harris is Simon Katanga. Um, now, that's the captain of the ship. And you may remember him as Kingsley Shacklebolt from Harry Potter. Um, he played the main bad guy, Somalan chieftain in Black Hawk Down. He's been in lots and lots and lots of stuff. You guys would recognize him. Anthony Higgins is Major Gobbler. Nothing. Vic, ta- <laughs> uh, Vic, I'm trying not to say what his name looks like. His name is Vic Tablian. Yes. But what I keep reading is Vic Taliban. Yeah. That's not his name. Different. <laughs> As Barranca, the guide in Peru, and he's the monkey man. He plays two parts in this movie. I didn't even know that until I started doing the research for this thing. Yeah, I didn't know that either. You know, put an eye patch on him and he looks completely different. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Don Fellows is Colonel Musgrove and William Hootkins as Major Eaton. And you guys will know William Hootkins as Porkins from Star Wars. Yep. And Eckhart from Batman. From Batman, yep. And he's done lots of other things. He was in Flash Gordon. He's in a bunch of other stuff. Music! Why do I even fucking bother? Was it by a well-known composer? I I don't... Yeah. John Williams. Oh, that guy. Now, here's something funny, guys. You're not going to hear me complain about Spielberg or John Williams. Want to know why? Because this is this is how he should... These are the films he should be making. Yeah. This is this kind of soundtrack and this kind of director. This, this is a match made in heaven. And then Steven said, I want to make grown-up movies. But he kept the same... Okay, I'll get into that later. Anyway, music by John Williams. I don't even... Do we even have to... Can I just say, John Williams, look, everybody loves you, John. But, I mean, how much more do you need? At this point, he had done the soundtracks to Star Wars, Jaws, Superman. It's like, just spread it... Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Like, just spread it around, man. Let somebody else have a job. Share the love. He's like, no, everything is mine. I want to do it all. All the iconic scores of the 80s will be mine. Well, you know that happens. Remember when Danny Elfman was scoring everything? Danny Elfman. After Batman, Danny Elfman scored everything everything mm-hmm. yeah very true cinematography by douglas slocum and he also did temple of doom and last crusade uh edited by that's probably why all three films look kind of similar hmm. and why the last one doesn't oh <laughs> maybe maybe it's because the last one has no location shooting in it <gasps> how dare you <laughs> what do you mean how dare i it's fucking true how dare how dare you malign the spotless reputation of that beloved film <laughs> edited by michael Kahn. now Michael Kahn is the most nominated editor in history. He's been edited. He's been nominated for more Academy Awards in history, um, and he has done every single Steven Spielberg movie since Close Encounters. They first worked on Close Encounters, and they have worked together since every single movie. Sometimes three at a pop. He'll be doing. He'll be doing uh, editing. Uh, wow. George Lucas said he's the fastest editor on uh, the old system, which is Avid. I think isn't Avid the old editing system? Yes. I can't yeah, I think so. I think that's what it. No, Avid is the new. one. One. I can't remember what. The oh no! One. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Care. Uh, fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> it's where they just cut the they cut the film and they tape it together with their hands. Anyway, if you want to know why Steven Spielberg movies feel like Steven Spielberg movies, it's because of Michael Kahn. Michael Kahn is his editor. They have worked together forever, and I'm not quite sure if Kahn influences Spielberg's cutting or if Spielberg is is there. But I I have to think that it's Michael Kahn because man alive, he does action good. He? <laughs> oh yeah, oh he's a great editor. Alright, production company Lucasfilm Limited. Distributed by Paramount Pictures. Released June 12th, 1981. My father took me to the movie theater and said, we're going to watch this this movie about an archaeologist. And I said, does it have Star or Wars in it? And he's like, no. I'm like, it's going to be boring and I'm going to hate it, Dad. I'm going to hate this movie. I hate you for taking me to see it. I want you and Mom to get back together. And he's like, just shut up. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then by the time the movie was over and I watched a guy explode and another guy melt, I was like, that 
that was the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I love you, Dad. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, running time, 115 minutes. <laughs> Budget, $18 million. Adjusted for inflation, $50 million. Box office, $389 million. Hmm. Adjusted for inflation, over $1 billion with a B dollars. <laughs> so it was kind of a hit, it, wasn't it, Steve? It did. It turned uh, a slight profit, I think we could say. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Yeah. All right, Steve. All right. Let's get a hat, get a whip, get a gun. Oh, boy. Get a coat, get get a girl, <sighs> get some lippy girl. <laughs> Let's get some Nazis in this box. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, baby. Let's get some racial stereotypes in there, uh, too. Just a Why few, not? Yeah. Just for good measure. And let's um, let's careen on a rickety truck into the world <laughs> of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Steve, mm-hmm. take it away. You know that mountain in the uh, Paramount logo? No. Well, there's a mountain <laughs> in the Paramount logo. Oh. And it, it it's part of the movie. It's the mountain in the movie. Oh, oh! It turns the, the logo turns into the mountain in the movie. I bet you didn't know that. That that's yeah, but yeah. Although, yeah, although it happens, a, it happens a few other times too. But yeah, then it turns into a gong. Yeah, and then it turns into a, a another different mountain, and then it turns into a prairie dog mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Spielberg, it's he does that with every Indiana Jones movie. He's like, I'm going to make the Paramount logo into something in the movie. Yeah, it's great. People, can we spend 15 more minutes talking about it? People will think it's just as clever every time I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we we'll never get tired. Of no, it. people never get tired of this. Uh, so we find ourselves in the jungle of South America in ni- Peru in 1936. Is it Peru? Hey, we're in Peru. Okay. Um, Actually, we're in Hawaii. But don't what? Know. Yeah, we're in Hawaii. They filled it in Hawaii. Was George Lucas still on vacation? Yes, he was. He was building another sandcastle. He just said, "Just let's just do it here." <laughs> Paul Harrison, we're just going to shoot it. And Harrison was like... (laughs) Is this Harrison or is this Mark Hamill pretending to be Harrison? Because I can't tell the damn difference. Yeah, so we see these people marching through the jungle. And um, a couple of dudes find a, a... little tiny arrow thing like a dart yeah and the guy like tastes the dart and he's like it's poison and then he falls over dead <laughs> now he goes it's poison he spits it out so it doesn't hurt him yeah. it's the Havitos. three days old they're gonna kill us they're gonna kill us <laughs> let's keep going <laughs> another guy uncovers a scary statue that vomits birds on him and they're like oh no and everyone's freaking out and then one of the guys is like i'm gonna there's a shadowy figure, right? Yeah. And he's like, I'm totally going to kill the guy who's taking us out here for some reason. Right? Right. And he he cocks his pistol, and then the guy, the lead guy, whose face we haven't seen yet, kind of turns at the sound. He pulls out a whip that he has hanging from his belt, and he whips the gun out of the guy's hand. Yeah. And what does the guy do? He's like, mm. he's like, he runs away. yeah, you suck. That was my good hand. And then, and then we see that it's Indiana Jones. Yeah. Or or since we never seen the movie before, we think, oh, it's Han Solo. No, Hey, look, Han Solo. He does, You know what's funny? He time traveled. I really, I don't connect Han Solo and Indiana Jones at all. Yeah, me, me neither, now that you mention it. I don't, yeah, I, not at all. I don't, yeah. It's like, oh, that's Indiana Jones. I don't think, oh, that's the guy who plays Han Solo. But you know, I don't really do that with any Harrison Ford roles, which is amazing because he's not that different. He doesn't different. have a range. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not that different in any movie. But when I see him like in The Fugitive, I'm not like, oh no, Indiana Jones killed his wife. Like, it's, I, yeah. I don't connect him at all. Yeah. The same thing with Decker. Yeah, exactly. Blade Runner. 
How is he doing that? Indiana Jones is a robot. It's not like he's doing a different voice. No. It's not like he's doing, you know. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> so then all the other guys run off, except for Sapito. Sapito, yeah, Alfred Molina. Yeah. And he's like, come on, Sapito, we're going into this, this cavern, this cave, <laughs> this this ancient temple thing. At least I can get you killed. Yeah. And they go in the ancient temple thing, and there's a bunch of stuff in there. Like, they, they get a bunch of spiders on them. Yeah. Which is gross. But they just brush them off, and then they come to a trap that's impossible. <laughs> oh, you mean where if you put your hand into a beam of light, it works as some kind it, of a switch that... Yeah, that springs out <laughs> things yeah. that has a goopy dead body yeah, on it? Yeah, you know, they. I'm sure that, that, that uh, like, Aztecs thousands of years ago had optical technology. Technology? <laughs> <laughs> they, they could do, like, an optical switch. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, he's like, stop, don't step on the light. And then he puts his hand up in the light beam, and these these spears come out and there's a guy stuck to it and he's like oh Charlie you died you were supposed to be here I guess you died whoops he's like, oh darn and then they keep moving through and then they get to a gap in the ground yeah right and they swing over that and Sapito nearly dies but he catches him by the dick and then they walk down another hallway and then they walk into this big room and there's a big angry statue right yeah it's a big well it's not big it's, it's a like little this little yeah. little gold statue and it's like angry and there he Sapito's like, We can go walk through here, this would be fine and he's like, Stop it <laughs> and then it turns out that there are tile floor panels in this ancient tomb, and if you push down on them, a spirit shoots out yeah. and gets you, right? Yeah, like the designer of this temple must have been so bored. Yeah, he was like, I want, how can I kill him this I time? See. Uh, I, I could just put it up out of reach. No, I'll, do so. I'll put in some <laughs> deadly booby traps. Right. So Indiana Jones carefully walks across the, the floor not to step on any of the stuff, and he gets up to the, the little angry gold thing, and he's like... I gotta put sand on. I don't know how he knows how to do this, but he's got a bag of sand, and he's got to replace the idol with the bag of sand, and the bag of sand has to have the same weight on it. Right, right, right. And he makes the switch, and he picks up the idol, puts it in his bag, and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Luckily for us, the the pedestal has dramatic timing, <laughs> and it doesn't does. start to sink right away. It waits a second. Yeah, yeah. The pedestal goes in. Everything starts to fall apart. He runs across the hallway that should have killed him because he's stepping on every single thing. And the little poison arrows are shooting out, but he doesn't get hit once. Yep. And then he gets to the gap in the floor, and Sapito goes across. And and what was it again? Uh, he uh, Indy needs the whip, right? And Sapito's like, and "Throw me like, the idol first. Then I'll throw you the whip." Yeah. And so Indy throws him the idol, and then Sapito drops the whip on the ground. And so then Indiana Jones goes, "Fuck!" And he runs, <laughs> jumps across, and he grabs. He almost falls down. And oh no, the door. Stone door is closing at the same time, and he, he climbs out of the thing, and he gets through the door, and you're like, "Who?" And he's like, "Oh no, I need my whip." And then he reaches his arm underneath it and gets the whip out. <laughs> and then he walks three steps, and then we see in this PG movie, we've already seen one goopy dead guy. <laughs> now we see a freshly goopy dead guy because Sapito forgot about the light mm. thing oh. and he got impaled. Sapito and. Mm. And so Indy gets the, the idol back, and then he walks into another hallway, and the temple's like, I'm not done with you, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm totally killing you. <laughs> and then a, a great big pinball ball comes falling out of, the, <laughs> out of the thing and rolling down a track and starts chasing Indiana Jones. 
and he's running and the ball nearly crushes him like three or four times and then he jumps out of the temple and the ball seals the temple sh- shut right? yeah and we're like who oh good he's he got out he's safe now he's safe right steve uh, he's safe oh, he's good not- all he has to do is walk back to that plane that two-person plane i don't know where all the other guys came from but he's got a two-person plane <laughs> he came they, with like 15 guys they rode in i guess on they the just wings. all hung onto the pontoons <laughs> while that two-person plane was in exactly. the river well all of their other planes <laughs> left when they didn't come back all the other planes then the guy who was indy's ride was like well i'm waiting for him yeah, here we opened the movie thinking they'd been hacking through the jungle for days, but in fact, they had just been dropped off by a plane that's not less than <laughs> they just five minutes walking. Like, they'd been, yeah. they been dropped off like ten minutes ago. Actually, they were all probably waiting there for the white guy to show up. Yeah. When, oh. when does the white man show up? Come on. The Javitos keep picking us off one by one. <laughs> there used to be 30 men here. Huh. Let's let's keep hanging around. Um, so you think that's good? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Jovitos. Yes. Those are the folks that Indy finds himself surrounded by when he makes now, it out of the cavern. let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you like to eat your Jovitos? With salsa or with guacamole? Oh, I got. I like I like salsa and a little bit of cheese. Oh, that's yeah, always yeah, good. Yeah. Nuke that up a little bit. I mean, guacamole is, is good, but, you know, I have to be We're, in the mood for I it. I am awful. I never should have said that joke. <laughs> what about the Jovitos? Your insensitivity knows no bounds. It doesn't. Um, the Jovitos I are... would feel bad if I thought the Jovitos were a real fucking thing. <laughs> the Jovitos are there, they're, and they're, they've got their arrows trained on Indy. Because uh... they're an indigenous people. Yes, yes. And they, they, are, they... they are handled in this film with the greatest care and sensitivity. That's right. Um, and they are joined by Indy's great rival archaeologist, Belloc. Dun-dun-dun. And he's like, give me that eye. I'm sorry. Give me that idol because he's French. Yeah. Thanks for doing all the work, chump. Haha. <laughs> now these Jovitos will kill you because I speak Jovitos and you don't. Because I care about the native customs. They worship this idol and I'm totally giving it to them. I, I don't know. I guess I steal lots of things from you, Indiana Jones. <laughs> anyway, Belloc holds up the idol and all of the. Havitos kneel to it. Mm-hmm. And while they're kneeling, Indy's like, well, come on, let's beat Cheeks. And he just takes off, and Belloc sends the Havitos after him. Why? Because he doesn't like Indy. He wants him why, to murder him. He wants him to murder him. Why does he need to kill him? Because they're rivals. Steve, yeah. why does Belloc need to kill Indiana Jones over this idol? Because he is insecure over Indy finding <laughs> the things, and then Belloc just takes it. So Belloc wants to stand on his own two feet and find treasure I for see. himself. I, let me let me say this again. They establish in a brief bit, bit of dialogue that this isn't the first time that Belloc has shown up and stolen what Indiana Jones has found. Right. So why would Belloc kill Indiana Jones if he's got a good thing going? He's like, every time he goes out, I just wait around for him to come out, and then I take his thing, and we'll repeat the cycle over again. You know what it is? It's because Belloc... If I kill him, I'll never get another thing. (laughs) Because Belloc had just had holiday dinner with his family, and they were like, are you still still, uh, stealing the finds of that Indiana Jones? Why don't you find things for yourself, huh? Why are you bothering me? Are you complaining? Look at all this food. Look at this mansion we live in. Shut up. I hit you now. Smack. <laughs> if you know what's good for you, you'll not criticize Belloc. 
He refers to himself in the third person. Why not? I love Fuck it. it. <laughs> anyway, he sends the Vitos after him. So Indy's running through the forest calling for Chalk, right? Yeah. And that's when we find out that Jock is a guy who's fishing off of his two pontoon biplane yeah. out on a river. And he's like, Jock, start the plane. And he's like, okay. And we're like, Jock, how did you get all these people out here? Don't bother me about this now. <laughs> I, I didn't write the fucking thing. Anyway, the Vitos are chasing after him. He jumps onto a vine, and he goes out into the river, and then grabs onto the pontoon and gets into the plane, and the plane takes off. Yep. Right? Yeah, and everything's fine, except for the big snake. Oh, there's a big there's snake There's a big in snake the in the cockpit. Yeah. Right. Now, I'd like to remind everyone that in this sequence, all he says is, I hate snakes, Jacques. He doesn't climb out of the plane and dive to his death. <laughs> right. Because it seems like, as the films progressed... His fear of snakes became so impossible for him to cope with. Yeah, well, it did. It, it developed into a phobia. Yeah, <laughs> it did it because he flew all the way home with that giant yeah. boa constrictor. In well, his lap. yeah, it went from being oh man, snakes—that's a bummer—to oh god, a snake, and he has like a panic attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So anyway, we cut to where Steve. Uh, we cut back to uh, the United States and the yeah. university where Indiana Jones is an archaeology professor in Chicago. I think is it? I think it's established later that it's Chicago. Okay, yeah. And he's teaching his class, and he's saying boring stuff, and he's writing it on the board, and out in the audience. There are some women who are, I don't know, touching themselves because they're so in love with Dr. Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah, right, he's, he's popular with uh, a certain segment of the student body. That's right, the girl segment yeah. that want to lose their virginity to their older college professor. That's right. <laughs> One of them even writes love you on, on her eyes. Yep. And Indy doesn't know what to do about that because he's a normal goddamn man. <laughs> or so we think. What's my move here? I don't <laughs> Indy would never take advantage of an underage woman no. or underage girl, would he never? Why would you even think it? I don't know, Steve. <laughs> That's just... Because it's obvious in this instant that he knows it's wrong exactly. as a professor to sleep with the devastatingly beautiful woman in his class. Exactly. There is a line, there is a moral boundary that he knows That's he must right. not cross. That's right. He learned it the hard way. Mm. Oh, Yes. Anyway, Marcus comes in, and he's like, where's the idol? And he's like, Belloc stole it. Marcus should have said you fell for it again. (laughs) (laughs) Just smacks him upside the head. Every time we send you, Indy, for one of these rare relics, we get a phone call from what is apparently Belloc (laughs) doing a high-pitched voice asking where you're going. (laughs) Hello, my name is not Belloc, and I was wondering where you sent the Indiana Jones? I have a a belated Christmas card for him. (laughs) Hello, my name is not Belloc. (laughs) I have a telegram to deliver to Indiana Jones. He wants a lottery. Oh, where in Peru exactly? Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, so Brody... Brody's like... (laughs) Brody's like, look, we're just going to hire Alan Quarterman, Okay. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, is he still alive? Yeah, I don't he's know. He's probably like ninety something. Whatever. He'll get. He's got to be. <laughs> I'll do it. He's got to be better than you. <laughs> I'm good at punching natives still. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, anyway, but he has some good pieces for the museum, and he thinks he knows where Bellocks are going. But, <laughs> but he Brody's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. There's some guys from the military here. They want to talk to you about something. And he's like, why? Well, am I in trouble? And they go into like one of the bigger auditoriums, and they meet the military guys. And they're like, hey, we got this cable from Nazis because these Nazis are doing weird things. And Indiana Jones goes, well, if you guys don't like Nazis so much, how come we're not at war with them? <laughs> why aren't we at war with the Nazis if they're bad? Uh, not our problem. Like, yeah, it's not our problem, but we want, totally want to get involved in this. <laughs> anyway, this is more our speed. Helping the people of Europe? Nope. Yeah. But searching for some mythical thing in the desert? We'll, totally on board. We'll stop the Nazis from finding some stuff. <laughs> We're not actually going to fight them yet. Yeah. Anyway, so they have this telegram that says, Staff of Raw, stop. Totally thing in the desert, stop. Ark of the Covenant, stop. We're totally going to get it, stop. And then we're going to take over the world. Ha ha ha, stop. Ha ha ha, stop. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yep, pretty much. And that's where we get the biggest part of the exposition, where Indiana Jones tells us that what they're looking for is the Ark of the Covenant, the, the supposed U-Haul box that we carry the Ten Commandments in. <laughs> exactly. And that the, the, it sounds like the Nazis want it, because apparently the Nazis want all this ancient artifact crap. And then the... the they say anyone who carries the ark, any army that carries the ark, is undefeatable, right? Yeah, that's that's the rumor. Yeah, and and then the military guys pee themselves or something. I don't know, but they agree <laughs> to fund Indy to go and do what? Uh, to 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 go and find the uh, the burial place of the ark before the Nazis find it. I, are you sure that's? What I think. They well, to well do? I think so. Yeah, isn't that because he says? Oh, I have a former colleague. Uh, yeah. Ravenwood, and he totally was into this, and I don't know where he is. Yeah, so Indy's going to go find him. Yeah, yeah, because he has the the he has the raw the the, the, the headpiece. headpiece. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so they give him money to go, and he goes right. Yeah, basically, <laughs> he and flies to Nepal. The, yeah, yeah, we show him in an airplane and a map, and there's a spooky guy on the on the plane, Steve. Yeah, yeah, he's just reading it's the paper. He's not he's not that spooky. Yeah. He's just reading the paper. Actually, played 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 by uh, one of the special effects guys from ILM because you only see the top. You'd recognize him if he dropped that newspaper all the way down. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so he goes to Nepal, and then we meet who's we meet Marion Ravenwood. That's right, Marion Ravenwood, and she has a and superpower where she can drink a whole bottle of liquor and not get drunk at all. She can drink so much liquor it would kill a normal man, yeah. but she only pretends to be drunk briefly, right? Yeah, and then she's fine because she's having a drinking contest with she's drinking the local liquor, which is made out of yak spit, and I don't know yeah. what else. <laughs> They just take whatever they can and they ferment it. Yeah, and she drinks this one person under the table and she wins a bunch of money. And she's like, okay, everybody, go home. Show's over, go home. Ha, ha, ha. Show's over, go home. (laughs) And then a shadow comes in and it's Indiana Jones. Yeah. And she don't like him. No, she's upset over the circumstances of their previous relationship. And what was the circumstances of their previous relationship, Steve? It sounds like it was a long time ago and Marion was underage and Indy took advantage of her and then ran away. She said, quote, it was wrong and you knew it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was wrong, and you knew it. Yeah. So if this took place 10 years ago, it was the 1920s. Yeah. And people were a little bit more lenient in the 1920s. So for someone from that time period to say it was wrong and you knew it, how old do you say she was well, when Indiana Jones had sex with her? I happen to know that George Lucas, this thankfully did not make it into the movie, but George, oh George Lucas wanted her to have been like 12 
What? Yeah, yeah. And how old was Indy? I don't know. I guess he would have been, I, I mean, in his college, in, in college age? age or maybe even older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Th- I, that makes me a little sick to my thankfully, stomach. Th- thankfully, Spielberg or somebody took him into a room and was like, okay, you know you're a <laughs> sick puppy, right? <laughs> We're not having Indiana Jones having well, an affair with a Well, I mean, it was more common tw- back in the day for like, a, George, an older man. To, George, no. What is it? No. What? No. Can we shoot at least shoot the, 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 the flashback sequence? No, God, George, please? no. <laughs> well, see, I was thinking about riffing on Lolita. Uh, George, you, know, I'm a film you can't know. I just wanted a little bit more graphic. Look, that's all. Look, just, ha- just make it so that Luke and Leia turn out to be brother and sister. That You'll get off on that okay. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, yeah, that's You'll good. work out your kinks on that, right? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's like, fuck you. Yeah. Get out. He's like, where's where's Abner? You know, Abner Ravenwood. Just like he's fucking dead. We had the shame of what you did to us. Drove us all the way to fucking Nepal. Thanks, okay? thanks for coming here out of nowhere ten years later and bringing up my dead yeah. father. I appreciate that. Yeah, and also the fact that you raped me when I was twelve. Apparently. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's like, I got money. Can I have the medallion, please? And she's like, I'll come back tomorrow. And he's like, Well, come on. And she's like, Come back tomorrow. And he's like, Fine. And he leaves. Right. Yeah. But then who comes in, Steve? Uh, well, the uh, major tote comes in. And some Major of his Tote friends. Is what? Yeah. Major Tote is, is is a scary Nazi guy. He's the scariest Nazi ever. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Naziest he, Nazi who ever Nazi. He, he's a Nazi turned up to fifteen. He's, That's what he he's is. He's a Nazi that when the other Nazis see him coming, they go, Ah, he's just too much of a Nazi. Oh God! If people see him too much, they're going to get the wrong idea about us. And they're like that we're complete, completely evil. Oh <laughs> they yeah, think he's doing a good job. You're right. <laughs> Anyway, he comes in and he's got some guys with him, and he's like, "Ah, Fraulein Ravenwood," and they want the medallion. Yeah, and she's like, "Uh oh, Spaghettios, these guys are creepy." <sighs> and he's like, "Hey, I'm not gonna buy it from you anymore. I'm just gonna torture it out of you." And the guys <laughs> grab her, and he takes the poker out of the fire, and he's like, "She says, I'll tell you anything," and he's like, "Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just doing this for fun." <laughs> I, I, this is like this is what I do. This is me, and then Indy shows up when they have a fight. Yeah, and there's fighting, and he's got a gun that is the loudest gun ever in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his gun shoots so loud that it tears holes in the space time continuum. It seems like I think there's but too there's... much powder in those rounds, Indy. Yeah, yeah. What everyone doesn't know is that Marion, before the Nazis came in, took the medallion off because she was wearing yeah. it around her neck on a chain. Yeah. And the medallion has a spooky power where it can almost blow out candles, but not quite. <laughs> anyway, so she put the medallion on the, the candle thingy on the table. And then all the fighting starts and the table gets knocked over. And now all of a sudden, all the whole bar is on fire. Yeah. Like the bar is on fire. Everything's on fire. And Tote sees the medallion around a burning table. And he grabs it and it burns his hand and he screams and drops it and runs out. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes, he does. He's a great screamer. He's a great He's such screamer. a great screamer. And then Indy murders everybody else that's in the bar. <laughs> grabs Marion. Marion grabs the medallion. And she's like, great. So it wasn't enough that you destroyed my life. Now you've ruined my business. Yeah. And she's like, we're partners now because I want my money. Right? right. So now where do they go? Now so, they fly to Cairo. 
Cairo. Yeah, because that's where the, that's the closest place to where they think the uh, the lost city of Tanis is, which is where they believe right. the Ark of the Covenant is is buried. Right. And what do they do when they get to Egypt? They look up an old friend of Indies, this this guy yeah. named Sala. Uh huh. Played by John. Played Rhys by John Reese Davies, who is uh, a digger. And I can tell you this much: for the rooftop scene at Sala's house, when they're panning over the city, they had to go out and take down every single television antenna that was sticking <laughs> out of the top of every single fucking building. Yeah. Because we didn't do things digitally back in the days, dude. Have to take it all out. We're not painting all those antennas out. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to pay every single person that lost their TV reception for that for those shots. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Sala's like, yeah, the Nazis. Have hired everybody, and they're all digging over there. And uh, why? Why? What are we doing again? Are you a, like an agent for the U.S. military? What are? What are you? What is? <laughs> why are you? What here? are you doing? <laughs> why are you here? Why aren't there army guys with you? If the army wants this done, why did they send one person to get it? <laughs> I'm Indiana Jones. Did you show them a picture of how big it is? Did they expect you to just drag yeah, it to a ship gonna, by yourself? He's just going to tie a rope to it and drag it behind him through the desert. Why? Why is it that the Nazis have a billion guys and you have nobody? I mean, me, but I mean, look at me. <laughs> I'm the underdog. This is what I do. Anyway, so then we cut to the desert, right? Yeah. Where they're digging. And Belloc is there. Yeah. Dun, 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 oh. dun, dun, dun. And then we cut to... Well, I can't remember because this gets jungled up. He, they're at the market, right? Right. They're at the market in Cairo, Indian Marion. Yeah. And they get attacked and by, bad, by guys. bad guys who I guess are working for the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. And the so while Indiana Jones is murdering all those guys that are trying to attack him, Marion climbs and runs away and then climbs into a basket and there's a monkey. Yeah. There's a little, and the <laughs> a little snitch monkey who tells the bad guys bad. where where she is. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then two bad guys pick her up in the basket and run away, and then Indiana Jones chases her. And uh-oh, they ran into a big marketplace, and everybody's got a basket, and he's got to knock all the baskets down. But while he's doing that, another guy comes up, and he's got a big sword, and Indy shoots yeah. him. Because <laughs> Indy, because Indy. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> fighting you, dude. Now, there was a fight sequence planned, right? but Harrison Ford had dysentery, <laughs> and if he tried to shoot it, he would shit his pants all over the place, and he said, can I just pull out this gun that's on my hip and shoot yeah. it? And they said, yes. yes. So, uh, one, one, of the, one of several examples of Harrison Ford improvising a much better scene than what was in the script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then he thinks he hears... Marion being taken away, he chases after her. She, he sees her get loaded into, into a truck. Yes, they she's definitely him, in that around, truck. She goes. He goes around a corner. When he comes back out, his 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 hammer of doom, which is his gun, he shoots at the truck. And the truck, uh, he kills the guy who's driving yeah. the truck. And then the truck flips over. And then the truck explodes. Right? Sorry, sorry, Marion. Whoa, we missed out on that character, boy. Oh yeah. And Indy's he's a little upset. Indy's upset because. Yeah. And he's upset because, uh, I guess he liked her, I guess, right? Sure, yeah. We've spent about ten minutes with her, so, okay. <laughs> she seemed, and, I guess she seemed kind of nice. Okay. Anyway, she's in the bar and some Nazis come up, or Nazi hands would come up and say, well, there's someone who wants to talk to you. And he's like, what? And he's got the monkey with him. Yeah. And he goes and he sits down and who's there, Steve? It's Belloc. Yeah, Belloc's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and he's like, uh... I 
I don't care about anything anymore. I'm I'm turning very slowly into Rick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'm going to open me a alone cafe. For f- Fifteen more minutes, and I would in- open Indy's American Cafe right here in Cairo. <laughs> oh yes, ex- exactly. He says to uh, Belloc says something, and Indy's like. Uh, uh, it basically says if you if you're worried, yeah, Belloc says, well, the 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 Ark is like a transmitter that lets you talk to God, and Indy says, well, if you want to talk to God, let's go meet him together. Yeah, like oh and, shit, and then Sala's children come and save him. Yes, yeah, Sala's children run into the bar filled with heavily armed men. Yes. Sala sent Indy his away. children in into the bar filled with Nazis yes. and people who work for Nazis. Yes. Sala said, my children, my young children, <laughs> all of you, go into that place full of Nazis and get and our friend Indy. save the white man, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm surprised they didn't surround Belloc. They come back out and he's like, no, 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 my children. This is the wrong white man. <laughs> Go back in and get the other white man. <laughs> they go back in and they come back out. And there's a Nazi. <laughs> He's like, no, not that. The guy who was at our house. The, oh. <laughs> the one with the hat on. The guy with the hat. Oh, okay. So he saves him. And then Sala's like, hey, I know an old guy who's going to be able to tell us about what's written on the on the medallion. Yeah. And that's when we also find out that that monkey cannot be trusted. No, it's a bad monkey. It's a very bad monkey. And so they go to this old guy and he's like, oh, <laughs> and he's reading the medallion. And uh, then we see that there are some dates, right, Steve? Yes. And some bad guy pours some poison on the dates, right, Steve? Yes, he does. And they discover that on the medallion gave the measurement for how long the staff of Ra was supposed to be right, but but there's writing on both sides of the medallion, yeah. and we yeah. we also find out in this scene, thanks to Sala, who I guess has been at the dig site, yes. that the Nazis and Belloc have been able to make a replica of the medallion somehow, but they only had printing on one side of it. That's right, and so their staff is too long, yeah. so they're digging in the wrong place. Yeah, and then just before Indy is about to eat one of the dates, Sala grabs the date, and they look down, and there's a dead Nazi monkey. Yeah. Serves that monkey right. That's right. Little Nazi Die, monkey. monkey. <laughs> Die, you Nazi monkey. But it said Andy didn't know he was a Nazi monkey. She said, man, love that monkey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Really, I mean, technically, neither one of them ever find out it was a Nazi monkey, because the That's monkey's right. Dead, it's not like so. they find the monkey's journal later on. <laughs> Boy, this Nazi has some really messed up political views. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So now they got to sneak onto the dig site where they're digging to get right. to the well of no to the they need to get to the map room. Yeah, they need to get to the map room so they can find out where the well of souls is. Yeah. So they sneak out to the map room and as they're going out to st- wait, no, they go to the map room. Yeah. And they get into the map room and then they a light shines through them and a laser beam comes out of the staff of Ra and shows them where the well of souls is, which is where the ark is, right, Steve? Right, exactly. And Indy's like writing it down and there's some uh, business up on the top where the yeah. Yeah, he's Sala, Sala yeah. and he has to leave and come back and yeah and then as he's leaving he has to hide in a tent and who's in the tent <gasps> it can't be it's Marion it's Marion she's alive somehow and he kisses her and she's like okay untie me and let's get out of here and he's like and, okay but wait I can't I, if it. I take you now then the Nazis will notice you're missing and it'll blow the whole deal so you have to stay you with the Nazis you took me when I was 12 yeah. asshole uh, okay <laughs> let's not talk about this now no we're gonna talk about this now oh, you, you fucking Marianne. rapist <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you turned into Elvis. Well, come on, come on, Marion. Hey, hey, hey what Marian. we did was there was nothing wrong. Love is love, Marion. Or Mr. Ed. Hey, it's it's hey, almost hey, the same. Age hey, hey, is just a number, Marion. <laughs> Anyway, he says he can't take her because that would alert everybody, and he's right. got to go back and dig for the Ark, right? Right, exactly. So he just lets her there. Yeah, he leaves her there. And so then he's going to go dig for the Ark with Sala and a bunch of guys. And so they start digging and digging, and digging and digging and digging, and then they get to, they open it up, and then all of a sudden there's a thunder and lightning storm. It's not hmm. ominous. And Weird. And they take, they open it up, and then they drop a torch down, and the floor of the Well of Souls has a bunch of what? It's covered in snakes. Not puppies? Snakes. Puppies would make about as much sense as snakes. Steve. Why? Yeah, I, you have to wonder since this place has been closed to all human contact for like a two thousand years. Yeah, you know where'd all the and snakes, it's buried in sand. Where, where are all the snakes eating? Where'd what all the snakes? Yeah, where'd all the snakes come from? What are they what eating? Are the snakes eating? <laughs> How are they breathing? Yeah. <laughs> Why are there all the snakes? Why are they crawling on top of each other like that? Yeah. When there's Why plenty are they of room. All like, like they've been waiting this whole time for yeah. people to drop oh, down. Oh, somebody's coming. You guys, get ready. Not like the snakes could eat them either. It's like... <laughs> yeah, they're not... Yeah, it's... It's just a thing. It's just a thing to make Indy upset. Right. So Indy climbs down. They use fire to kill some of the snakes and drive the snakes off. And then they go up and they grab the Ark of the Covenant, which is this big gold box with angels on the top. And they get it out of the Well of Souls. And, and Indy's like, okay, it's, oh, but while that's going on, we have to cut over. While they're doing all that stuff, we cut over to Marion, who has a bad date with Belloc. <gasps> yeah. She does her drinking game trick where she tries yes. to out drink him and escape but it doesn't work no it doesn't work because uh tote shows up and also belloc can't hold his liquor and belloc can't hold his liquor yeah and then and then tote shows up and we think oh no he's gonna torture her but then he doesn't do that no he has he has a little funny bit where he pulls out this thing it looks like some kind of torture device but then he puts it together and it's just a little hanger for his coat nazi ingenuity ah because he he's going to carry around his you know his coat hanger with him in the desert yeah because you know he's a civilized nazi that's right also we forgot to glance over the reason why they have yeah a copy of the, the a bad copy for the staff of Ra's medallion is they literally took it off of the burnt impression of it in in tote's hand because now yeah. he, he burned that into his into his hand that's how that happened <laughs> yep and they never actually told us that we figured it out even me when i was 12 <laughs> right they didn't have to have a character say that Nope. He shows he does his little sig heil with the burned hand, and we see the impression, and we're like, oh. But the next morning, Sala gets out of the Well of Souls, and then the rope drops in. And who's up at the top of the Well of Souls, Steve? It's Belloc and the Nazis. Yeah, it's Belloc and the Nazis. And he's like, well, once again, you have fallen for my trick. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha, chum. Let's see if this sounds familiar to you. Hello. <laughs> Where is Mr. Jones? This is Mr. Not Belloc, and I was wondering, Mr. Jones, where the Veil of Souls were. That Do was you, you think you could tell me? I can't believe I fell for it again. And he's like, well, we're going to leave you in there. Ha ha. And then he pushes Marion in there. No, the Nazis push Marion yeah. in there. Yeah. And he catches. No, she grabs onto the thing and then she falls down and then there's snakes and she panics. And then they seal them up in there and they're like, oh, no. How? Why? How? What are they going to do, Steve? I don't know, man. They're running out of torchlight and the snakes are there. And, yeah, it's, and it just seems bad. Except- you want to know something funny? What? 
Snakes aren't afraid of fire. Oh, that's weird. The most difficult thing they had to do while shooting this sequence was to try to keep the snakes from completely ignoring the fire. <laughs> the snakes were lighting cigarettes from it. Yeah, they were they like, were like oh, whatever, fire. Big this wolf. isn't a thing. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so he climbs up to the top of one of the big statues that are in that room, and then he knocks it over, and it opens up another room, right? Yeah, yeah, he breaks through a wall, and they go into this room that was... Because he snakes coming out of a wall. Yeah, which, again, why? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so then she runs into that room, and it's filled with dead bodies. Yay! Why? I don't know. Because, they, <laughs> because, because we have to have an excuse for the lady to scream. Yeah, a lot. The lady has to scream. And so all these icky dead body she screams and screams and then indiana jones goes stop it and then they leave <laughs> stop screaming jesus so then they get out they knock they push open so here's something that yeah. i don't understand steve are you sure. ready I'm, I'm absolutely ready so they show them they push open uh, like a stone from an existing structure that's above ground yes right yeah. yes indeed and no one in the dig site went, hey, I wonder what's in here. <laughs> That's right. None of these professional diggers, nor Indiana Jones, the world-renowned archaeologist, thought, okay, let's see, if the Well of Souls is here, oh, wait a minute, mm -hmm. that building right over there, I wonder if that's an easier way in than digging in the ground all day. One. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but whatever. And then he hooks up with Sala, who they didn't kill or arrest. He's been hiding. Yeah, Sala is not only free and alive, but he has information for them. He knows somehow that they loaded the Ark uh, onto a onto a truck and they're taking uh, it away. No, or onto a onto plane, a, onto a plane, onto yeah. a flying wing. Yeah, right. Or they're going to. Right, right, right. So Indy and and Marion run out to the flying wing, and he has a fight. Yes, he does. He has a fight with a great big German guy. A great big German guy. Who later on plays the great big Indian guy that he fights in Temple of Dope. Yes, and is played by Pat Roach, a British professional wrestler. Oh, you'd know that. Yeah. Of course you That's would. A, absolutely. Anyway, so they have a fight, um, and she shoots the gun in the plane, and then the big guy gets chopped up by a propeller blade, PG, and then... <laughs> His blood is spattered all over the, the <laughs> cockpit bubble. Yeah. Everywhere. There's blood. There are so many bullet holes, and oh, so many people get killed in this movie. Oh. Anyway, yeah. uh, then there's gasoline, and th if the gas the gasoline blow up the plane and then they get out of the plane and then it explodes and then Sala says oh no now they put it in a truck yeah and so now they're gonna go get it in the truck right yeah and now we have fighting on a truck yeah oh boy do we ever and a magic cliff <laughs> so they're they're driving and he gets on the truck and then he kills all the Nazis he runs them over beats them up some guy pushes him out the windshield he falls down and then he goes under the truck and then he gets dragged by the truck and then he gets back in the truck and then he beats the fucking shit out of that guy that's right and then when he's got control of the truck he starts bumping people off the road and some people go crash like Belloc's car goes crash and he's like oh man but another one <laughs> another jeep he bumps and they go off the road and they fall off a cliff that's at least three miles high and we're like wait wait a minute wait wait a minute <laughs> have they been driving along that cliff the whole time when did that cliff come from where where are they <laughs> 
And then he drives into a town. Yep. And he drives into this little marked stall, and then a bunch of people run up and disguise the truck. And the uh, Bella comes in, and someone tries to sell him a pumpkin, and he doesn't like the pumpkin, and he throws the pumpkin at a dog, and he's upset. But our heroes won, Steve. That's right. They escaped with the Ark. That's right. And so now they load the Ark onto a ship that's piloted that's piloted by Lando Calrissian. I mean, that's piloted by Captain Katanga. That's right. right. He's a he's a sea pirate, not a space pirate. That's right, he's a sea pirate. It's different. Because Indiana Jones got zero help from the military (laughs) that hired him to do this. There's no military vessel waiting to pick up this ark. He hired some pirates. So they hired some. The Navy couldn't send a ship. Fucking pirates to get him. And so he's like all banged up and him and Marion start kissing again. And if you you took on board everything we've said, it gets kind of weird and icky. But anyway, she's wearing a silk dress now yeah, without a bra because she doesn't change her clothes from the time that Belloc makes her put on the dress until the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yep. But uh uh-oh, Steve, something happens when they're on the ship. Oh no, the ship stops, and Indy goes to see what it is, and it's a a Nazi U-boat. Oh no. Yeah. And Uh the Nazis come on board, and they go, hey, where's Indiana Jones? And he's like, I killed him. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, let me keep the girl. And they're like, you're gross. And they take the girl, because Belloc's got a boner for her, I guess. I don't know. And then they all, they take the Ark and they get on their submarine. And as the submarine's going away, they go, look, and Indiana Jones is on the outside of the submarine. Yeah, that's right. They would cut to the inside of the submarine and the people on the submarine say, dive. (laughs) And and then the submarine goes under the water. And then we cut to a map that just the submarine goes to some island somewhere, right? Yeah, I think it's Skull Island. Yeah, they go to yeah. Skull Island because yeah. they're going to use the Ark to kill King Kong. <laughs> it's, the anyway. only, it's the only force <laughs> on Earth that can kill him. <laughs> and they go into the U-boat and, hey, Indiana Jones is there. Oh, that's weird. He must have ridden on the outside of the submarine Steve, the whole way. Steve, what? He did what? He just must have held his breath and ridden on the outside of the submarine the whole way. For 200 miles? Yeah. Okay. Anyway... <laughs> Well, you know, he was like he's like a dolphin. Like, he would swim up real quick and take a breath of air, and then he would swim back down and grab back onto the U-boat. Because the U-boat moves that slow, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the fact that there's no way that, that they could load the Ark of the Covenant into the U-boat. But there's not a lot of room, yeah. There's no hatch yeah. big enough to put it in. They broke it up into pieces, <laughs> <laughs> and they reassembled it once it was in there. Anyway, at the U-boat thing, he beats up an, another not another German soldier and takes his uniform. Yeah. And so also somehow gets a bazooka. Yes. <laughs> and as they are, because what Belloc wants to do is he's going to take the, the Ark of the Covenant and he's going to open it. Right, right. right. Just to because, make sure that it does what it's supposed to do. Because it's got what it's, it's supposed to have what it has inside, because it'd be embarrassing if they opened it in front of the Fuhrer on his birthday <laughs> and the Ark of the Covenant wasn't inside. And since I know how this ends, they should have just, yeah. you know what, you know what, Indy should have done. She, but yeah. he didn't. He didn't do it. Should have just let Hitler open. Didn't do it. Should have just let Hitler open the fucking do thing. Do it. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, Indy, Indy shows up and he's got a bazooka and he's like, I don't care about the Ark, I just want the girl. And Belloc's like, come on, you want to see inside this just like I do. And Indy's like, yeah, I guess. Okay, take me prisoner. And in that scene, I'm fairly certain that Belloc swallows a fly. Yes, it crawls like right into his mouth. And then it doesn't come out again. Yeah, so... 
Yep, and Spielberg so, said, print it. That's print going that in the one. movie. That's the one I want. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> so then they set up on the mountaintop on this island, and they've got they've got cameras, right? Yeah. And all the soldiers are watching, and Indy and Marion are tied up to a pole, and the Ark is out there, and Belloc is now wearing some sort of disco priest uniform. <laughs> yes. Like this robes and a stupid hat. And yeah, he's dressed so, like a Pharisee or something. Yeah, yeah, and the Nazis are up there with them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, what is what is Indy say? Oh, he says uh, he says don't uh, don't look, Marion. Why? Close your eyes. Don't look at it. Where, where where did we get that little bit of information so that uh, this makes sense? I don't I don't think we did. We never did. He just he just <laughs> knows. He just knows it. Mm-hmm. Because Belloc opens it up. Yep. And what's inside, Steve? Well, at first it looks like it's just some sand, mm-hmm. but then um, a bunch of ghosts come out. Toad thinks that's funny that it's yeah. just sand, right? Yeah, he's like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> and then a bunch of ghosts comes out, and everyone's like, look at the pretty ghosts. Look at all the pretty ghosts. <laughs> Everybody, look at the ghosts. And Indy and Marion have their eyes closed, right? Yep. And everyone's like, this will be great. Ghosts, everyone loves ghosts, pretty ghosts. But then the ghosts don't aren't pretty anymore. No, they the ghosts, turn, they get mad. They get very angry. They're like, why did you open our box? That's right. And then um, energy comes out of the arc and shoots through all of the Nazi guys. <laughs> yeah. One guy gets shot through the camera lens into his face. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, PG movie. And then... <laughs> and. And then the art gets really angry and tote melts. Yes. <laughs> Screaming at the top of his Nazi lungs while the flesh the, uh, melts off his face. The other guy kind of deflates like a balloon. Yeah. And I remember at 12 going, this came out of nowhere. <laughs> what? Why? I mean, there was shooting and stuff. There's lots of violence, but I don't remember coming in here to see somebody melt and another guy deflate. How could this get worse? And then it does, because Belloc explodes. Yes. <laughs> and then there's a big plume of fire, and um, it shoots all the Nazis into the sky, I guess. Yeah. And then the lid comes down, and it's all quiet, right? Yeah. Whew. And now the energy burned away their, their rope, and Indy and Marion are okay, right? Yeah. And then they, the two of them picked up the Ark of the Covenant, <laughs> dragged it back down to the submarine base filled with Nazis. Um, <laughs> I guess killed all those Nazis. Killed all those Nazis, yep. Stole, stole a U-boat. <laughs> Drove it back to America. Drove it back to America <laughs> and dropped off the Ark with the government, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And we skipped all that because who wants to who worry wants to about that? Who wants to see that stuff? Yeah. Now, what do we cut to? Well, we cut to uh, Indy and Marcus uh, meeting with the army guys. And yeah. in- Indy's not happy because uh, they, they they paid him well. But the deal was that after the art was brought back, that the, the museum would get it. And the army guys are like, yeah, no, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. And he's like, gosh, darn it. And Marion's like, it's okay. And he's like, I guess. And then we cut to a gigantic warehouse. And the guy who has the Ark goes in there and he hides it in this warehouse, right, Steve? Yep, and that's the end. The end of of, of Raiders of the Lost Ark, right, Steve? Yep, that's the end of the movie. So, Steve, how do you feel about this homage to the classic series, series of yesteryear, when men were men and women screamed? (laughs) How do you feel about this movie, Steve? 
Well, you know, I I can't give it a bad review because it does kill all the Nazis. So that's, that's true. That's the right ending. I mean, it's like, oh, all the Nazis die. I like oh, that. Damn, at least he doesn't um, fall in love with one this time. Yeah, no, he. They all die, and they and they scream, and their faces melt, and that's. <laughs> That's a good ending. So if you guys want to ever make a movie just for Steve, make a movie where Nazis just scream and their faces melt off. Just two hours of screaming, dying Nazis. <laughs> that would be just super. Um, you know, it's I, I, I've seen this movie so many times, and uh, watching it for this show, for the first time, I thought of Quentin Tarantino, which I've, ne- I've never thought of Quentin Tarantino while watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. And maybe uh-huh. it's because we just reviewed Pulp Fiction not too long it ago. It might be, yeah. But it occurred to me that in this movie, and with you know with Star Wars and within the Indiana Jones franchise as well, uh, Lucas and, and Spielberg are doing something similar to what Tarantino does, where they're taking their favorite sort of old B-movie genre yep. and... And they're sort of polishing it up and 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 doing their homage of it and and creating something actually really really artful and really terrific with it, um, yeah. You know, and and Tarantino gets his inspiration from from crime fiction and from martial arts movies and with Raiders, as we've said, they go with uh, adventure serials from the 30s and the 40s and exactly, uh, yeah. the adventure stories that from you know Edgar Rice Burroughs and H. Ryder Haggard and um, Arthur Conan Doyle and that's that and they take that and they elevate that into something really special um what what they really figured out with raiders that i appreciated was because it's it's definitely an homage to those adventure serials but those old adventure serials even the really good ones i mean they were if you watched them back to back to back which you weren't supposed to do but if if you watched them all you know in a row they're like four hours long and they're they're almost even the really good ones are not that well plotted and what what spielberg and lucas figured out was that if you took the big exciting beats from one of those four-hour serials and you condensed it into a two-hour movie, you could really have something special there. So Raiders has all of the tropes of those old adventure serials, the the stunt sequences and the fights and the escapes from certain death and the, the booby traps and the hero infiltrating the enemy lair and all that stuff that you would have seen in one of those Republic serials, but it condenses it down to a two-hour package and cuts out mm-hmm. all the fat, and you realize, like, if you present it in, in the right way, that this god damn it this is great um and yeah yeah it has the the action sequences are often really really over the top like totally preposterous and including that car chase scene we mentioned where he's running the noxies off the road and the cliff comes out of nowhere and he's mm-hmm. he's dragged behind the 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 truck with his whip and that's completely you know that's completely unrealistic totally over the top but it suits the genre because that's what these movies were that's what these serials were the the heroes would do these absolutely ridiculous things and and the movie would show it to us with a straight face because they were aimed at kids and they figured well kids will just think this is awesome um so it it really nails that that adventure serial aesthetic but then it also bumps it up and and make and and just elevates it and executes it with so much style and skill um which which is something similar to what tarantino does take b material and turn it into a material just by by adding your own wit to it and and making it and pulling it off as well as it can possibly be done. Now mm-hmm. it's it's not perfect. Um, even though George Lucas is not the credited screenwriter for this, 
thank God. Uh, <laughs> there are some lines in here that, to me, read like trademark George Lucas clunkers. Like uh, this time, particularly in the scene with Indian Belloc in Cairo, where where Sala's kids come to save him eventually. Um, yeah. When when Belloc says, "You know, I don't know where else I'll find someone else on my level," and Indy says, "Why don't you check the local sewer?" Like it just that's not that doesn't strike me as that great of a line. But right. uh, but it's you know, and then there are some and there are some scenes in the movie that have very sort of abrupt endings, especially action scenes where it's like, oh, they just kind of wanted to get out of this scene, you know, like like the scene with Indian Belloc where his kids come in and take him out. It's like, oh, I guess this scene is over. Bell, you know, Sala's <laughs> kids came and got him. You know, it just feels like, oh, how do we get out of this scene? Oh, what if we do this? Okay, you know, there's a couple of scenes like right. that, but those are like minor quibbles. I mean, overall, Harrison Ford was already a star when this movie came out because of Star Wars, and this movie made him like the biggest movie star in the world, and he deserved what it. What are you talking about? He already did Star Wars. He, are, I'm saying he already did it, but this movie, I think Indiana Jones really made him like he. This now he's Harrison Ford, like you know, oh now mo- he's Harrison, movie yeah. star. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, yeah, Star Wars made him a star, but now he's like superstar, like box office champion, and and he deserved it because he's so good as Indy. He he sells us Indy as a flying by the seat of his pants every man, even while he is doing these incredible things that no one yeah. could possibly do. That's a really hard trick to pull off. People still uh-huh. people still talk about Indiana Jones as like he's this great everyman. And that's all Harrison Ford, because Indiana Jones is not an everyman. He's a superhero. He does things that yeah. nobody could ever do. Um, no. uh, Karen Allen has a very strong Margot Kidder, Lois Lane vibe to her performance. Sure. And, and I mean that as a compliment, because I love Margot Kidder's Lois Lane. Um, and uh-huh. it's just it's a great, fun adventure movie. And it shows how, you know, it takes what for an earlier generation was was B-movie stuff or, or even sub-B-movie stuff, um, stuff that was just put into theaters to entertain kids or to yeah. kill time during a, during a double feature. And it made it into one of the defining, most popular genres of movies for the 80s as a result of yep. this, um, yep. through just the skill of the creators and, and the excellence of the execution of it. So I, I, it's, I love this movie. It's a great, great movie. That's what I have to say. Okay, um, I love this movie so much. <laughs> so here's the thing that I relate to it to Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, right? Okay. This movie is fake. Oh my it's, god. It's a fake, yes. fake movie. It's not a we real movie. We made light all, yeah. of all of the plot holes and weirdness and all that other stuff, and that is because they made this movie fully aware that this movie is fake. Yeah. It's not real. That's why Indiana Jones's gun sounds more like a boulder falling off a five-mile-high cliff than an actual gun. That's why whenever he hits someone, even a mild tap, it sounds like he has the force of the Hulk behind that punch. This movie is fake. Indiana Jones takes so many hits to the face in this movie alone that he should be permanently scarred by the end of this movie. Oh, right? God, yes. He's a, he should be dead. His head should be like shaped like a melon. He should have two cauliflower ears. His nose should be broken at least in 15 places. But they were taking something that was fake to begin with, which was the adventure serials. They took it a little bit more seriously. All they really did was add violence. 
They added more, slightly more realistic violence. They showed the things a little bit more than those serials would do. The serials would allude to something awful. This one, it more or less showed the awful things that (laughs) that he was doing. (laughs) Now, I will say this right here, right now. This is where Steven Spielberg should be. And what do I mean by that? Spielberg loves old Hollywood. Spielberg likes to face play fast and loose with logic. Spielberg loves a happy ending. Yeah. And he loves big bombastic scores to cover up when he doesn't know what to do. You know, when he knows that a scene has no dialogue and he needs people to feel things, he'll fill it in with music. This movie doesn't matter if it has a big bombastic score because it's got to have one because it's based on adventure serials. It's set in a time period that he's comfortable with. It's action adventure so he can cut quickly as characters that are interesting and fun and it has more or less a happy ending, right? Yeah. More or less. And he gets to kill Nazis. And we know everyone likes to do that. So when he veers off into other territories when I start start to wrangle, like say, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan, his tricks are still there. He's yeah. still doing that shit. Big bombastic score, filling things in to fill up with emotion. And it's kind of like, I think he could be a good dramatic director if he distanced himself even further from what is obvious the thing, obviously the thing that he's good at, which is action adventure movies, right? Yeah, totally. He's good at it. Something happened to him. I don't know what happened to him, but he made fairly grounded movies about regular people in the 1970s. Jaws, Brody was not some superhero. He was just a jerk on an island. And (laughs) Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters wasn't someone. He was just some middle-class suburban guy who worked for the electric company, right? Yeah. And then the 80s came along, and he kind of lost touch with all of that. And I don't know if it's because he got bored with it. The last time we saw a normal family was an E.T., and then after that, he hasn't really returned to that ever again. Yeah. He's not made a movie about normal people in extraordinary circumstances in a very, very long time. Am I saying he should limit himself? to these over-the-top action movies like Indiana Jones? No, not necessarily. But he needs to know that where his strengths are is in this. This is what he's really good at. (laughs) Or at least he used to be. Because I saw the last Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is when he's angry and he doesn't like his marriage, he makes really good Indiana Jones films. When he's when he's when he's tired and old and he no longer has the strength to fight against George Lucas's weird demands, he makes garbage. <laughs> I've listened to the the behind the scenes of of Crystal Skull, and a lot of them was like, "Okay, George, if that's what you want," and that never should be. You never yeah, never say that to George. Don't ever don't say, say, that. say that to George. George George needs you to keep a hand on him. What I think of the movie, I think it's great fun, and it's always going to be great fun, and it is a classic, and it deserves to be a classic, because it is. There had been no movie like this up until this point. No one expected this to be a good movie. Everyone's like, what are they doing? And then they came out, and everyone was like, holy shit, and this movie inspired so many other action movies throughout the, not just like, oh, let's set it in the 30s, but I mean just action in general. The way it's cut, the way the action is presented, the way people get hits. There would be no Die Hard if Indiana Jones had existed right i absolutely right absolutely right so yeah i love it i love the action i love all the nazi kill and all the violence <laughs> i am a little pissed off that this movie started the whole pg-13 thing because good gravy they went fuck it why not i'm surprised there weren't tits in this because they were pushing everything 
They were literally, it's like, let's, I know, let's have a guy impaled in spikes. Oh, no, that's good. Let's have a guy get chopped up by a propeller blade. Oh, that's good, too. I know, every time someone gets hit, they, we see the impact of the bullet and blood comes out. That's good. <laughs> let's, let's have a guy who's on fire get shot in the face. <laughs> let's have a room full of skeletons that scream for some reason. <laughs> Marion finds the skeletons and they just scream at her. <laughs> let's have a Nazi get run over by a truck. Uh, let's have, let's just go for it. Yeah. And they did. But at some point, the people and the MPA, the, the new movie rating system was only about 10 years old at this point. <laughs> and, and the MPA went, wait a minute. Mm. Well, they didn't say any of the cuss words we told them not to say. Did you tell them they can't melt people's faces? No, Is we that just a said rule? no F-words. They didn't have any boobies and there was no F-words. <laughs> he said, my child has not crawled out from underneath the theater seat <laughs> because he saw that dude's face melt away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this was kind of like, he really, this one, uh, some people went, wait, what? And then Temple of Doom sealed the fucking deal. Yeah. Because Temple of Doom, holy moly. <laughs> Let's rip some hearts out of chests. <laughs> let's burn people alive. Let's that, burn, that, that'd be let's good. Let's burn people let's alive. Make, let's make Indy drink out of a skull that still had flesh on it. That'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> Let, let's have a child. Let's have child. Let's whip a child. Let's whip a child. Can just, we do that? You can just imagine the, the, the head of the ratings board shaking his fist and yelling, Spielberg! <laughs> You're lucky that people like you, Spielberg. But I love this movie. Yeah. And I, I watched it again for the 500th <laughs> time, and I still had a good time. It's a gorgeous film. Oh, it's great. It is so well shot. You don't give a shit about what Indy did to stay alive on the submarine. You don't care. No. It's some of the Spielberg magic, yeah, right? It does, yeah, that's the point. It doesn't. We, we joke about it, but the truth is it doesn't matter. That's it doesn't not the matter. Point. No. Do we really care? How did that one plane get all 15 of those guys out there? No. <laughs> of course not. If you care about it, uh, then Spielberg has not done his job. That's the sort of thing that you, you bring up yeah. when you're talking about the movie with your friends afterwards. When you're watching the movie, yeah. you don't give a shit about that. But they know this movie is fake. Yeah. And you should know that this movie is fake. <laughs> <laughs> If you're looking for verisimilitude in this film, you're not going to find it. <laughs> so, yeah, classic. Steve? Oh, classic. classic. Classic, classic, classic. Classic, classic, classic. Yes, yes, yes. So, Steve, what are you not going to recommend? <laughs> oh, it's, well, it's definitely not a classic. Um, Yay! So, because Raiders was such a success and the other indie movies were such a success, these type of movies, these adventure movies, became kind of a big thing in the 80s for Alan a while. Alan Quartermain came back. Alan right? Quartermain came back. Uh, Michael... One of my favorite things ever on television and it only ran for a year it was written by the same guys who wrote Battlestar Galactica in fact they changed some of the scripts from Battlestar Galactica and rewrote them for this show was a horrible little show called Tales of the Golden Monkey Ooh. that starred what's his face from Star Trek 1 the guy who played uh, Decker in Star Trek 1 oh yeah Stephen it, something yeah I it can't... was like a direct rip off Stephen of Collins Jones. yeah yeah but I love this show yeah he and... had a little dog that had an eye patch and they also uh, My Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner did Romancing the Stone. But that was successful. Very, yeah, very, very Indiana Jones kind of a vibe. And of course, she had to know once this became a big thing, Chuck Norris was going to get in on this too. Oh, no. Oh, yes. 
I must confess, when I was six or seven years old, I was such a fan of Chuck Norris. Oh, God. Thank I, God you grew I, out of I, I grew out of that. I grew out of that. But when I was six years old, I loved Chuck Norris. So when this movie I'm going to not recommend came out, I was six years old, and I begged my mom to take me to see it, and she did. And I loved it at the time. I still have a sentimental attachment to it now, but I must admit, it's a pretty terrible movie. That's why I'm not recommending it. And it is a movie called Firewalker. So it is it is it is with Louis Gossett Jr. With Louis Gossett Jr. So it's it's Chuck Norris, the king of canon, and Louis Gossett Jr., the Titan of TriStar. So we have these <laughs> this this team up of epic nineteen eighties B movie action stars from lesser divisions of studios. Academy um, Award winner. Yes. Oh Louis Gossett an, Jr. An officer and a gentleman was only three years before this movie. Can you believe yep. that? Um but yeah, so and Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr play these two guys who are like treasure hunters they're adventurer type of guys and and they they are looking for this lost like aztec treasure and it's supposedly an action comedy it's not all that funny <laughs> um <laughs> and it's it's a little confusing if you if you watch it because like chuck norris in for the most part chuck norris is playing like a not very stereotypically chuck norris character because his guy is kind of a screw-up like that's where the humor supposedly comes from is that he's like this big talking egotistical guy who is always talking up his own adventures and actually he's just kind of a doofus um yeah except when it's time to do the chuck norris karate fight scene and he becomes just an unstoppable killing machine <laughs> and, right exactly and then it's like oh now he's back to being a doofus um so yeah it's 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 not a good movie it's a sentimental favorite of mine because i saw it when i was six um it's not even that great to watch as like so bad it's good because it's just kind of boring incredibly mm. derivative of raiders of the lost ark and and just sort of indiana jones style adventure movies in general um mm. and yeah that's my not recommendation unless you have a sentimental attachment to it reaching back 30 years there is no reason for you to see firewalker so i am not recommending that okay so as you guys know i like to take a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and so um you know george lucas and steven spielberg weren't the only ones that were getting a little nostalgic oh really oh yeah there were some other people that were getting a little nostalgic too but what they were getting nostalgic for was so goddamn awful they never should have attempted it the movie that I'm not going to recommend is based on a certain detective. Oh. A certain detective that has never, ever, ever been played by someone of Chinese descent. Oh, God. The movie that I'm going to tell you guys to not watch is called Charlie Chan mm. and the Curse of the Dragon Queen. Ooh, damn. Starring as Charlie Chan, Peter Ustinov. Oh, but he's and, not Asian at all. No, he's not. And playing his son, because there's no number one son in this, but as Lee Chan Jr., Richard Hatch. Also not From Chinese. Battlestar Galactica. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I'm not going to get into the details of this awful, disgusting, horrible piece of shit that should have never been made. But oh I'm going to let you guys know exactly what the movie's like by reading the quote that is on the movie poster. Oh, boy. You ready? <laughs> I'm reading this word for word. Murderer who turned victim into human baked potato have real appetite for crime. That's it. Oh. My review is done. <laughs> oh. 
That's right. They wrote pigeon English onto the poster to get people to run in and see Charlie Chan and Curse of the Dragon Queen. Wow. It's garbage. Don't ever see it. Have you seen it, Steve? I have not seen it, and I, I guess I won't. <laughs> okay. Wow. Hey, Steve, you know what? What? You know what, Steve? What? What? You know what? what, Steve? What? What? What, Jason? Next month is May. I know. It's a special you month. You know what that means. Yes. It's a special month for both of us. Steve is born at the beginning of the month. I'm born at the end of the month. Steve is a Taurus. I'm a Gemini. Yeah. Gemini's are better. Oh. I said it there. <laughs> oh. You know what? You know how much stock I put in astrology. That really hurts I my know, feelings. I know. So I know I could say that. I could make that joke all live long day. <laughs> That's right. It's our anyway, birthday month. That's right. But in in keeping with my tyranny over this show, <laughs> I'm not going to allow Steve to choose what movie he gets to watch for his birthday. Just like last year when I forced him to defend his love of He-Man yes. messages of the universe. Yes. I'm going to make him defend something that I know he loves. Oh, boy. Because unless Steve hasn't noticed, I take detailed notes about his personal life and likes. <laughs> There are there are extensive files. Aha. Uh-huh. So Steve, yeah. it's time for you mm-hmm. to make a horrible choice. Ooh. A or B, Steve. <sighs> a or B. Both of these films are <laughs> movies that I know for fucking certain you absolutely love and only you absolutely love. Oh, so really I can't lose. Um, no, this is this is a, yeah. You can't lose. I'm gonna say you'll just be disappointed that you didn't pick the other yeah, one. Yeah, so no matter what, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say A. Oh, oh, oh shit. Okay, so Steve chose A. Had he chosen B, the movie he would have chosen was Roadhouse. <gasps> oh man, you're right. I am disappointed. I didn't choose B. Yeah, oh. I know. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Instead. He chose A, and A is Ang Lee's Hulk. <laughs> yes! Oh, this is going to be so great. Oh. For one of us. Yes, yes. For, for one of us, it's going to be so great. Yes. But which one? <laughs> uh, yes. So, guys, if you want to get all the jokes, rush out and watch <laughs> Ang Lee's Hulk. I'm sure you can find it at the... B- base bargain basement <laughs> bin on the internet somewhere. It's probably in the dollar bin at Walmart, just di- near the bottom. That's not even. It's probably filled with nothing but Angley's. <laughs> we we can't. Please. It's been twenty years. We can't sell we, them. We tried to give it away with a one dollar purchase, and no one was taking it. <laughs> we had Girl Scouts handing them out outside. They couldn't give them we away. Just started throwing them at cars off the overpass. <laughs> Li- Why would anyone watch you? Public libraries wouldn't accept them as donations. <laughs> we sold a few when we told people that they were Marvel coasters. <laughs> yes. That's right. So, to find out why Steve's so delighted and why I'm suddenly angry, please... <laughs> Watch Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah. And that's it. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Late Seating. Until next time, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. You can't do this to me. I'm an American. I can... I'm so sorry. Maybe you could perhaps tell me where Indiana Jones has gone. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Because I am also an American. Who is... I like... French fries or uh-huh. and uh, the bit grey bull. 
and Steamboat Willie Toot Toot. Oh, no, I mean, that's a movie. <laughs> Who won the World Series last year? Um, the American good guys. Ah, it checks out. Okay, Indiana Jones went to Cairo. Okay, can you tell me which hotel room he's in, please? Uh, he's... he's <laughs> He's in room 206 at the Cairo Marriott. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> we gotta stop. I'm, I'm falling in love with In Disguise Belloc way too much. <laughs> right before he exploded, he tried to put his fingers over his nose to make the voice. He's like, oh no, this is not Belloc. I, I did not open this arc, please. Has anybody Bye. seen Belloc? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.